Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Please join us now as we hear a message from Pastor Toledo. So we are down to our last two messages in the Pray For It series. Everyone say, Pray For It. I want you to pray for it. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. Let's get to asking. That's why you should come out to the prayer meeting, the most important meeting of the week, because we do a lot of asking on Tuesday nights. Amen? Amen. And you know, when we worship and praise, what we're doing is we're expressing to God who he is to us, and we're expressing how thankful we are for all of the different ways that he cares for us. We just did that. We thank him because he's good. We thank him because he's faithful. We thank him because he's the friend that sticks closer than a brother. But then we pray because he invites us to pray. Prayer is talking to God about our needs, about our struggles, about someone else's needs. Prayer is believing God to provide what he promises despite all of the spiritual and worldly opposition in our lives. When we pray, we're saying, God, you can bless me despite what's happening around me. When we pray, we're saying, God, we believe that you are greater than opposing forces in my life. You're greater than my past. You're greater than my struggles. You are the great I am. You are Jehovah Jireh, the great provider. Somebody believe God to be the great provider in this place. That's who he is. And so we pray for it because we believe it. I want to encourage you to pray for what you need. So last week, what we did is we started to look at how David prayed for, this is a a strong uh, CTPT word for our stewardships. Stewardship in the kingdom has, has been narrowed to financial, but that really is not biblical. When the Bible says, well done, my good and faithful servant, it means my good and faithful steward. It means someone who has received from God and lives their life as if God is the owner and we are just the managers. It's one of the ways you look at everything about you, your marriage, your home, your resources, uh, uh, um, your, your, your finances, everything. We're like, God gave this to me and, and he's the owner of me, starting with me. I have a friend who loves to say, you're not the boss of me. How do you know Jesus is the boss of me? Anybody feel like Jesus is the boss of me? Amen. And therefore, we're just managers. We're stewards. So David was the king, and David prayed for Jerusalem. But he not only prayed for Jerusalem, he prayed for his family. He prayed for his relatives the way all of us ought to pray. The first thing he prayed for was peace. He prayed for peace because peace is all about doing well on the inside regardless of what's happening on the outside. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. The Bible says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and minds. And so no matter what's going on in this crazy world, we can be close enough to God, full enough of the Holy Spirit, full enough of the promises of God to walk in peace. Somebody say amen. Amen. We pray for peace and we walk in peace. That is possible. That is available to every child of God. It's available to us and we should pray for it. David prayed for that. But David didn't just pray for the inside. How many know we can pray for the inside and the outside? He not only prayed for peace, but he prayed for the focus of today's message. So let's look at these verses one more time. Psalm 122. Go home and read the whole psalm. But look at this. It says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Remember, when the Bible prays for something, that becomes an automatic promise for us. Because if if we're instructed to pray for something in the scriptures, it means that it is available to us. 
So when he says pray for peace, it means that we can pray for peace too. And peace is available. It says pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you, everyone, prosper. Now he's praying for something else. He says, may those who love you prosper. May there be peace inside your walls and safety in your palaces. That's next week. For the sake of my relatives, listen to it. For the sake of my relatives and my friends, I say to Jerusalem, peace be with you. For the sake of the house of the Lord, our God, I pray for your everyone prosperity. David prayed for peace. And David also prayed for prosperity. The title of my message today is Pray for Prosperity. God wants to prosper his people. It's funny because when I first became a Christian, I thought if you love God, you have to be broken poor. If you love God, you have to be like this. It's not the way to live for Jesus. You understand? God can prosper his people. Now listen, prosperity is the blessings of fruitfulness and progress. Okay? This is very, very important. Okay? Because we tend to narrow prosperity into into worldly success. And we're not talking about success today. There are a lot of successful people who are not biblically prosperous. There are a lot of rich people that do not walk in biblical prosperity. We're not talking about that today. Prosperity is the the blessing of fruitfulness. We are called to bear fruit for the glory of God and progress. We're supposed to keep on growing, keep on expanding the kingdom of God, keep on growing in Christ. We go from strength to strength and from glory to glory. How many know that is the promise of God for the people of God? Somebody say yes and amen. We believe that. Your marriage should get better. Your mind should get better. Your emotions get better. You feel better. You think better because as we get closer and closer to the day that we're called to him, even though, look, sometimes as you get older, you get a few aches and pains, but even outwardly, we're fading away, but inwardly, we're renewed day by day by day. We get better and better and better. Somebody say amen. It's like that song we sing, keep on getting better, right? Look at, look at how this fleshes out in 3 John uh, chapter 1. It says, Beloved, this is the New King James, I pray that you may prosper in all things, watch this, and be in health, good health, just as your soul prospers. Prosperity is holistic. Watch this. I, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things, your whole life, right? But then it says, and be in health, your body. And then it says, just as your soul, your mind and your spirit and your emotion and your emotions prosper. That's the whole package. We're talking about the whole package. Third uh, John 1 in the CSB says this, dear friends, I pray that you are prospering in every way and are in good health just as your whole life is going well. So look, I want to pray. I want to keep unpacking this. But I want to pray, whether you're watching online or you're in this room, I want to pray that the Lord would open up our spirit and our mind to the kind of life that he wants for us. See, the Bible says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and life to the full. The abundant life. Everybody say abundant. There is an abundant life for you and I. Jesus wants us to live the abundant life. We're gonna talk about how to get there. But I'm going to tell you right now, it starts with faith. It starts with saying, I'm not going to look at myself. I'm going to look to him. 
It starts with saying, I'm not going to try this in my own strength. We can't make the abundant life in our own strength. But Jesus came. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He conquered sin and death. He conquered the lies. He conquered it all. Hallelujah. And he's inside of us and we can bear fruit. We can, we can live in a, in, a, in a way that is holistically blessed by the Most High God. It's possible. And if it's not true to your life today, it can become true. To them that believe, he gave them the power to become children of the Most High God. Becoming doesn't just mean that you get saved. Becoming means that you keep on growing and being transformed by the renewing of your mind and growing into the blessing of God. So lift your hands with me one more time. If you're watching online, God, we want, oh Lord, the full life. God, we pray for the abundant life. God, we pray for biblical prosperity, holistic, mind, body, spirit, soul. God, that you would bless, oh God, the, the work of our hands. God, that you would bless our families, that you would provide for us so that we could give our children better, Lord Jesus. That you would bless our food and our water, Lord God. God, we look to you. We don't look to the economy. We don't look to employers. We look above that, Lord. We look higher than the mountains. We look higher than the clouds, Lord. We look to your mighty throne. We look to your powerful hand today. Open your generous hand. Open up our spirit. Convict us, convince us that your way is the best way, oh God. Your way is the best way. So lead us and guide us into your prosperity. We receive it. We receive it. We reject every condemning thought. We reject all negativity in the name of Jesus. We reject all criticism from the enemy, all condemnation in the name of Jesus. We reject that and we receive the word of the Lord. And so we thank you. Blessed we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And listen, one of the reasons why we pray for prosperity from God is if you don't get it from God, you're going to strive for it in yourself. It's human to want to be blessed. It's human. It's okay to want to be blessed. But we want the blessing of God. Amen? Let me tell you a little bit more about this word. This word is really, really powerful. It, it's two words put together in the Greek. And, and uh, um, hold that slide for one second. But it's two words together. And basically, the the picture, when you said this word, it was a word picture of the good road. So when they say, when they said in, in the Greek about prospering, it was like, may your life be on the good road. Walk on the pathways of righteousness, brothers and sisters. There's a righteous path. There's the king's highway. There are the pathways of the world, but we don't have to walk those ways. We just want to walk on the path that Jesus has set for us. There's a good road. And listen, when you walk on the good road, it gets smooth. And, and when you're in the prosperity of God, listen to this. When you're in the prosperity of God, if you find yourself in a bumpy, in a bumpy road, in a difficult place, you're still blessed by God. All you know is that God is teaching you some kind of faith lesson. That's it. That's it. It's just a faith lesson lesson because he's going to carry us safely we're going to meet him face to face Jesus is real Jesus is coming back hallelujah when he comes back he's coming with his reward somebody say amen hallelujah and so listen this is such a holistic word. I, I, I want to tell you just a few things. There are actually 23. Listen to this. Uh, this comes out of uh, one of my uh, Greek study books. Let's just leave it there, right? 
So it says it was a Greek idiom used to express favorable circumstances in all of the 23 physiological processes, all of everything that makes you a human being. I'm going to give you a few. For example, eating and drinking. God wants us to, he wants to feed us. Give us this day our what? Daily bread. Hallelujah. If we look to him, he'll feed us. I was blown away when I went to the church in Cuba and saw all of the hardship and all of the difficulty. I went to see some of my own family members and I was brokenhearted and yet I was with the people in the church and I was, I was like, how does the food materialize for these people? It's because God provides for his children. If we look to him, we will be fed well. We will be fed well. Birth, procreation, God wants, to be, wants us to bear fruit, to multiply. Sexual relations, let me, let me stop here and say, if you're a child of God, if you're married and you're a Christian, you should feel really, really, really close to your spouse. Amen. amen. Somebody say amen to that. Okay? I didn't, I didn't go rated R, it's like PG-13, you know? But we need to say this. We need to say this. God wants to bless our marriages. You know, and if that's not the case, you've got to rebuke the devil. You've got to stop giving into the lies of this world. Rejoice in the wife of your youth, the Bible says. We can be happy together. How many, somebody say amen. amen. Hallelujah. Just living the world, the world washes over us. We're not understanding God wants to prosper us. Sleeping and resting, not, not worrying all night, resting. Resting, healthy, strong, making time to take care of your body and enjoying it. You know, God is good. God is good. You know, you know I was, I was uh, I, some guy was telling me that his buddy who is in the world, was saying to him, you know, you save so much money just by not investing in all the crazy things I do. I invest in. I spend so much money on all of this stuff that's no good for me. You understand? Why not, why not uh, 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 go to the gym instead of wasting all your money on that? You know, God wants us healthy and strong. Growth and fruit producing. Our lives should be like a garden that's bearing fruit. When we go to work, we should be the person that is fruitful. Somebody say amen. amen. Fruitful on the job, amen. Fruitful on the job. And it doesn't even matter when, when persecution hits, when hardship hits, we will still be blessed. I talked about this on Tuesday. Uh, uh, we, we, we looked at the life of Joseph, how Joseph had hard circumstances, but he still had a blessed life. Look at what Genesis says. So he's sold by his brothers. He's sold into slavery. And then he, he gets into Potiphar's house. And it says, when his master saw, when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did. Then he put him over the whole household. You can't keep a good man down. You can't keep a godly woman down. No matter where we are, we can shine. We can stand out. We can make a difference. Because he, he wants to prosper us. He wants that blessing upon our lives. Amen. Amen. You know, they actually, there's a quote by Corrie Ten Boom who endured the uh, concentration camps of, uh, of the Holocaust. Maybe you should take the top off of this, right? And uh, there's a quote. You know what she said? She said, thank you, God, for the fleas. Thank you, God, for the fleas. She said, nothing, nothing. I'm a child of the kingdom of heaven. Nothing is gonna stop me from praising my God. 
And her life of faith has impacted the world. Do you know how many people have been inspired by Corrie Ten Boom? Yes, in this life, there will be many troubles, but take heed because Jesus has overcome the world and everything in it. Could we put our hands together because he's overcome the world? Come on, come on, praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, yes, Lord. Blessed be the name of our God. We gotta get this into our spirit. God wants to prosper us. So I wanna highlight two facets of biblical prosperity that we're seeking. When we pray for prosperity, you, you need to kind of understand it in a very particular way, a biblical way. So number one, we pray for prosperity because when you pray for prosperity, prayer depends on the Lord for prosperity. I have a lot of verses for you today. I'm gonna to try to race through them. But prayer depends on the Lord for prosperity. It means that you're saying, Lord, I trust that you're gonna bring blessing to my life because I'm near to you, because I'm walking with you, and because I'm trying to honor you. The Bible says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or, or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is on the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The Bible says that that man will bear fruit in season. He's like a tree. His roots are so down deep in God. What are your roots in today? We want our roots in Jesus, in his word, in his kingdom. Hallelujah. We want to bear fruit, not by our power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the life that we can live, regardless of the crazy things that are going on in this world. That's the life. But we are depending on God. We, we want the Lord to do it. There's a great picture of this. In the Old Testament, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. Okay? And when the Ark of the Covenant, for the most part, was with God's people and they were honoring God, then there was the blessing of God, the provision of God, the leading of God. All of these things happened because the presence of God was in the center before God would come after Jesus in the Old Testament, before the Lord had a whole plan and he wanted to teach us through pictures. And in the beginning, he, he put his presence in the ark of God. When you see in the tabernacle, there was a place called the Holy of Holies and they would follow the ark and it was a, the pillar of fire was on the ark uh, at night and, and a cloud by day. And this this ark represented the presence of God. And when they were bring, they lost the presence of God. People can lose the presence of God. To lose your nearness, your closeness to God is to really step out from under the umbrella of the prosperity of God for your life. If you're not under the umbrella uh, uh, of the presence of God, the goodness of God, get back under the umbrella. His mercies are new every morning. He's ready to receive you. He's ready to receive you. He is ready to receive you. Hallelujah. Get right with God. Get back. Get back with Jesus. But look, at a certain point, they moved the ark to the house of Obed-Edom. Look at what the Bible says here. It says, the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. And what happened? And the Lord blessed him and his entire household. You got the presence of God in your household. You got the presence of God in your life. The Lord will bless you and yours. 
It says, now King David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went to bring the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Go get the presence of God. Go get the presence of God in your life. Do whatever it takes. Young person, old person, go get the presence of God in your life. People are so emotional. Hey, praise. God inhabits the praises of his people. So praise him in your living room and watch. You know, praise him in your living room. Sing to the Lord in the shower. I will bless the Lord at all times. Read the Bible out loud in your house. And the blessing of God. Quote the Bible graciously. Well, this is, I believe the Bible says, you know, that's what you believe? Cool. Here's what I believe the Bible says. You know, no offense. I'm not offended by what you believe. I hope you're not offended by what I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Son of the Most High God and that He died and rose from the dead. Whoever puts their faith in him, they will have life, eternal life. We're going to heaven. Hallelujah. Go get the presence of God. You know, while I was preparing this, I was, it made me think of a buddy of mine. His name was, we used to call him Richie P. A guy on a baseball team that I played with. I, I remember... I mean, he, he's a, I know he's a good friend of mine. He has two, uh, one son in the big leagues and uh, his second son is in the minors, soon to be in the big leagues. Maybe he's there already. I haven't talked to Rich in a while, but um, Richie was a monster baseball player. His brother was a great baseball player. And I remember I was 14. I was sitting on the bench. Bases were loaded. Richie got up and Richie was a Christian. I didn't even, I didn't even really notice, uh, but not because he wasn't, it's because I was blind. I'll never forget that um, I'm sitting on the bench, it's one of those hot days, Richie gets up, and I go, yo, Richie, being a wise guy, I said, ask Jesus to get you a hit. Talk about a dumb move, right? But anyway, Richie got up. Guy threw my pitch up here. He hit the ball up here, knocked in two runs. And I was like, oh, snap. I got to start praying. Like, <laughs> I actually felt foolish after I did that. But there was something about Richie that was different from all of us. Richie, uh, um, there, he had the, like, the nicest car. And um, there was something. He had a girlfriend, but he, it wasn't like everybody else had a girlfriend. Something different about him. And I remember as I got older, and then when I had my experience with God, I had conversations with Richie that I actually understood after talking to him, even though I was a baby believer, he had this perspective of living for Jesus and honoring Jesus. And the Lord just blessed everything he did, you know? And it was like living proof. And, and Richie wasn't preaching all day. and wasn't quoting the Bible. But we knew he was a Christian because he was different. You know? But there was a blessing upon his life. You and I should be Richie P to somebody. We should be that to somebody. We should make someone like do a double look and say, what is it about this person? To open doors. So that we could, we could evangelize, deliberate evangelism, deliberate discipleship. We are called to evangelize and disciple somebody. Please say amen. amen. That's what Christianity is all about. It's not about here. It's about taking people with us. So when we get to heaven, there will be many, many souls to praise him. Hallelujah. Just a solid guy. Just a, just a solid guy blessed guy but he depended upon God he just he just trusted the Lord and you could feel it 
He was just close to the Lord. You know, even before I go to the next point, could we lift our hands? Maybe you're far from God or wherever you are. Maybe you're close to God. Let's get closer. Father, in the name of Jesus, bring us close to you. God, we pray that we would get under the umbrella, oh God, of, of your authority, of your protection, of your provision, of your plan. God, help us to come under. We pray for the blessings of the house of Obed-Edom on every life. Help us, Lord, to just walk with you. Help us to reject the counsel of the wicked. Help us to, to stay away from the seat, oh God, of mockers, Lord. God, deliver us from standing in the places that don't please or honor you. Do all these things. We depend upon you, my God. We depend upon you for prosperity, for the smooth road, for doing well in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And so when you pray, you depend upon God. Look at what Martin Luther said. This is, this is really powerful. He said, I have held many things in my hand and I've lost them all. But whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. Amen, Amen. that's good. Amen. Hallelujah. Whatever you trust to God, man, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. Amen. So the first thing is there's a dependence on God. We don't have to take the shortcut. We don't have to, we don't have to cheat. We don't have to do any of those things. We can trust God. Amen. Number two, this, this is a cousin to it. This is like the other side of the coin in a way. But, but this gets a little bit more specific, maybe more of a drill down. But prayer aligns with prosperity. Prayer will align with the prosperity of God. When we pray for prosperity, we should be aligning by faith with what we are expecting from the blessing of the Lord. We have to, we have to bend our lives towards prosperity. Listen, here's an interesting quote before I break this down that I, Randy Alcorn, who's written a, a, a couple of amazing books about uh, uh, finances and prosperity. He said, during the days of the Iron Curtain, a persecuted Romanian pastor told a group of us, in my experience, listen to this, 95% of the believers who face the test of persecution pass it, while 95% who face the test of prosperity fail it. Interesting. This, this was Thomas Carlyle's point when he said, adversity is sometimes hard upon man, but for one man who can stand prosperity, there are a hundred that will stand adversity. We think sometimes that hardship is crushing us. Let me tell you something, prosperity crushes way more people. Just look at America. Just look at Hollywood, okay? Just look at the, the, those who are running uh, the kingdoms and the empires of this world. They have everything, but without the Lord, let me tell you something. We get proud, we get self-centered, and we get very, very foolish. The proud man is always foolish. Show me a proud man, I'll show you a fool. Sooner or later, the proud man thinks, this is because of me. How many know it's all because of the goodness of God? Hallelujah, hallelujah. So there's this, there's this alignment that needs to take place. We align. In other words, when you align with prosperity, you break alignment with greed. You break alignment with envy and jealousy. Look at me for a second. If you battle with jealousy, if you battle with greed, if you battle with envy, today is the day to break agreement with that. Because when you're looking at what someone else has and you're feeling these jealous, all of these things, what you're doing is you're saying, God is better to them than to me. 
Don't say that. You understand? Rejoice in someone else's blessing and say the God who did that for them has got something special for me. How many know he's got something special for me? Renounce jealousy, renounce envy. That's why, listen, stay away from people who gossip because gossipy people tend to be jealous. Gossipy people are jealous. And when people gossip, you don't want that on you. Not to mention it's destructive and divisive. But, but the truth of the matter is, is you don't have to talk bad about anybody else. You want to get in the presence of God and be blessed by God and be thankful that he's as merciful as he is. Anybody thankful for the mercy of Jesus? Hallelujah. So if we're not perfect, why are we going to point fingers at somebody else who's imperfect? Foolish. Just foolish, foolish, foolish. So you have to align with the blessing of God. You know, you align. If you're waiting for the right guy, why would you date the wrong guy? Date a man of God. Come on. Pick a woman of God. They're there. They're there. Don't pick, the cool guy's not going to take care of you. The pretty cool guy, he takes care of himself. Look at how much time he spends in the mirror. You got to be kidding me. Pick with the hard working, the guy who's here, the guy who's serving, pick that guy. The guy who loves the Lord. See, the things, man, I'm preaching about like 25 different things today, but <laughs> the things that connect people in the world don't keep people when you're married. People connect with lust in the world, but lust can't keep a marriage. Love is what keeps a marriage. You know, so look, you see all these movie stars or whatever, they can't, they, they like, they've dated like 800 women. I've heard this, uh, uh, I don't know where I heard it, but I've said it, any guy can keep a woman for a weekend, but it takes a real man of God to keep a woman for a lifetime. Somebody say amen. What we're talking about is just waking up in the morning and saying, I want to serve Jesus. I want to serve him with my whole life. I want to serve him with my whole life. I'm sold out to Jesus. I want to honor God. I want to serve God. Let the world say what it's going to say. But I want to just be under God's umbrella, umbrella so we align. Ask the Lord, where do I need to align? to be under your blessing. Amen? Amen? Hallelujah, Jesus. We're not looking for the quick fix. We're looking for the God fix. We're looking for what the Lord can do. So I'm going to give you three things that speak to alignment. When we expect God to prosper us, we align in basically three ways. There's more, but just general. Very quickly, first of all, we align with God's word. We align with the word of God. Business, pleasure, friendships, dating, hobbies. We align with the word of God. Look at what it says. I told you I got a bunch of scriptures, but, but listen, let your spirit take in the word of God today. Happy are those who obey the Lord, who live by his commands. Your work will provide for your needs. You will be happy and prosperous. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine in your home. And your children will be like young olive trees around your table. A man who obeys the Lord will surely be blessed like this. We align with the word of God. We obey God. 
Like it's impossible. Look, you guys sit over there and I stand over here and so do the other pastors. It's an interesting thing to say a word. Okay, you ready for it? Obey. It's unbelievable how you say obey. Obey God and people shudder, shake. They get like, you gotta give them cortisone cream because they get itchy. Just obey God. He's the king. He's your father. He loves you. He cares for you. He will bless and prosper you. Obey the Lord. Just obey God. When we obey God, it all goes better. It's, it's, there's something about, you sleep so much better when you obey God. Part of prosperity, you know? Man, that cost me so much to do that right. That's okay, you sleep better. God's able to take care of us. We just, we wanna be in alignment. We want to be in alignment. We want to be the kind of people that love Jesus in this world. That love his word, that honor his word in this world, in this crazy world. This crazy city, this crazy world needs people who are in love with Jesus. That's what it needs. And that means we obey him. You know, real quickly, we operate... Again, I said this earlier, as stewards, not owners. We operate as stewards, not owners. We will say, this life, it's a, look, it's not easy to turn it all over to God, but once you do, I'm telling you, everything's so much better. You know, if you want it for me, good. If you don't want it for me, good. You know, I want what you want. I want the career that you want. I want the... I want the house that you want. I want the, I just want what you want. Look, there's a proverb that says better a meal with vegetables when you have peace than a house full of feasting with strife. See, we don't want strife, we want peace. You know, meanwhile, God can give us the feast. The Bible says he prepares a table in the midst of our enemies. You know, that's not just a few when God prepares the table, it's full. How many know the Lord's table is full? Hallelujah. No matter what the enemy is doing. And so, but we say, Lord, you own me. You're my master. To be a servant of God in the Greek is doulos, love, slave. Not a slave of fear, a slave of love. We serve him because we love him. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Lastly, lastly, we value God's seed. Okay? When, now look, uh, I'm going to give you a couple of verses that speak to your finances. Now today's not a message about about just financial prosperity, but I want to read a couple to you because... And we'll preach a whole sermon about this in the future. But this is important because a lot of people, they, they give God about four to five slices of the pie when he owns the whole pie. The whole pie of your life. Marriage, children, work, finances, hobbies. You know, all of those things. It's all the Lord's. Amen. And a lot of times we say, oh, you can have this one, this one, this one, I'm going to take care of. Don't do it that way. You're pushing away prosperity. So look, my wife actually read this just uh, um, recently. She read this to us. Um, It says, uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 10 and 11 say, And God who supplies seed for the sower... Seed for the sower and bread to eat will also supply you with all the seed you need and will make it grow. Okay? And produce a rich harvest from your generosity. When you're generous, there's a blessing on it. 
You understand? It says he will always make you rich enough to be generous at all times so that many will thank God for your gifts which they receive from us. So we value the seed. One of the ways to look at your finances is this is seed from God so that you could sow into the kingdom, so that you could sow into someone's life. Your whole life, things that you do today will bless your tomorrow. It's the way we think. This is very, very important. Now, when it comes to your finances, let me just say this. When it comes to your finances, there's a place of obedience and faith, and then there's more. We're gonna take a second offering. When we take the second offering next week, we're not saying take the money that you're supposed to honor God with uh, um, and give that to no, we're saying above that. Everybody say above that. Above that. Thank you. I, I, I thought I was going to hear a person go, above that. But that was pretty good. Praise the Lord. You understand? In the Bible, when you get paid, in the Bible, you give 10% to God. Yeah. All right, we got three amens. Thank you, Jesus. You know, someone was, we had a talk about generosity. They asked me this, and um, I, was, I was sharing this in a group of leaders. I was like, I want our people to experience the blessing of God when they honor God with their money. That's what I want them, I want them to experience this. But I also know what the journey is because when I've, I didn't grow up in church, I didn't grow up hearing about tithing. And I remember when I first started hearing about tithing and I was already turned off to the guys on TV taking those crazy offerings. I was like, look, I grew up in con artist country, Brooklyn, New York. So I know a con when I hear one. So I was, I always struggled with that, but then I started to learn and I got around godly people and, and they started to teach me. And I, I, it's been a while since I've told this, but I remember when I started tithing and my family thinking, this dude is crazy. Tithing is like, you're telling me you get paid, you give 10% of your check to the church? Yes. So listen, I'm driving in the village in New York. I was helping my buddy move and I remember I'm helping him move. I'm dry. He didn't have a license. I had a license. So we rented one of those U-Haul trucks and all this. And I got, I kind of got into the middle of the thing and I looked back, didn't see anybody. I backed up and I smashed the guy's grill. Like I smashed the whole grill. So I get out of the car. My buddy gets out of the car. The guy's yelling and screaming and he was livid. My friend, like it almost got to like a throwdown. I was like, get back in the car. It's two guys. Little, the guy goes like this. He has, a, he has a gun in his thing. It's like nothing like life in New York, right? So I said to him, sir, I am an idiot. Straight face. I'm an idiot. I rented this truck. I'm helping my buddy move and I don't even know how to drive this thing. I said, I'm really sorry. Here's my license. I'll pay for it. The guy looked at me and goes, you know what, you're a good guy. He said, forget about it. I got in the car. I'm thinking. I gotta give more. I gotta give more to God. You know what I'm saying? Listen, listen, I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth because I've, you know, I worked at the Twin Towers. I had to buy suits or whatever. I remember walking in. I used to walk into this place. It's called Bo Brummel. It was the nicest suits. It was like this, but I could never afford it. I, I start to tithe. I start to give. I, I'm on lunch. I got nothing to do. I walk into Bo Brummel looking and uh, there's like this super, super sale. I'm like, what about this suit? He goes, man, that looks like, try it on. Super deal. I go home. I take the suit to my brother. My brother goes like this. He says, he goes, only you. You know what he was saying? He was saying, that crazy faith of yours, that ridiculous, nonsensical thing that you're doing is paying off. Hallelujah! He's faithful, he's faithful! He's faithful, brothers and sisters. 
And what starts to happen when you really start tithing, you just rest better. Because you not only see certain types of miracles, you see miracles of God's provision that you're just like, oh, snap. Look at what the Lord did. That's not King James, that's Brooklyn, right? So, but listen, this is in, some people say, well, tithing is Old Testament. This is in the New Testament. I'm gonna read two verses to you real quickly. Look, Abraham is the father of faith. In Hebrews chapter 7, it says, this Melchizedek, Christ is a type of Melchizedek, this Melchizedek, Melchizedek was king of Salem and priest of God most high. Jesus is the great high priest. He met Abraham returning from the defeat of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. Okay? A tenth of every part, everything he won in that battle. It says, he gave him a tenth of everything. Look, first the name Melchizedek means king of righteousness. Who is the king of righteousness? Jesus is the king of righteousness. This is Jesus appearing, in, this is a pre-incarnate. Okay, visitation of God. Then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. Who is the king of peace? Who is the prince of peace? Jesus is the prince of peace. Somebody say amen, hallelujah. In the New Testament, it uses the example of Abraham bowing before King Jesus and giving him a tenth of the battle. Yes, your life is a battle, and we battle every week, but we battle that week, and we get a paycheck, and we say, you gave me victory for this week, and I honor you, and I praise you, and I glorify you. Am I saying this because the church needs money? No, although we do, but... That's not the way we do this. The way we do it is like this. Jesus, your promise is that you're gonna build this church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's what your promise is. That's what we're banking on. That's what we're banking on. That's what we're banking on, Lord. And he's come through over and over and over again. He's been faithful. He's been faithful. Listen, I wanna just read a little bit more to you, right? Next slide. Without father, mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the Son of God, he remains a priest forever. Just think how great he was. Even the patriarch Abraham gave him a tenth of the plunder. This is a New Testament faith principle. One more verse for you, and then we're going to pray. Jesus actually... Some people say, well, tithing is not in the New Testament. It is in the New Testament. This was him correcting people. But listen, woe to you Pharisees, because you give a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. Remember, there's just one slice. But here's what he said. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. So Jesus is saying we should tithe. When you tithe, you're crossing over into obedience. You're crossing over into a space of obedience and of worship. When a man gives God his wallet, he gives him most of his heart. <laughs> you know? And when we honor God in every way, guess what he does? He prospers us.